Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. You know, it was a, it was a number of years ago that, and, and it's really humbling when you realize that when, when you're pastoring, that at my best, now this, this is what I really felt like the Lord was, was, you know, showing me, is that at my best, the most that I will ever be as a pastor is a facilitator. At my best. Because being a facilitator, the, the definition is that you make something easier for somebody else. That, that's the definition of what it means to facilitate something. Because I can't save anybody. That's God's job. I cannot change people's habits and behaviors and, frankly, sinful ways. I can't make you, I can't make people do anything. It means that no matter how hard that I try, that I am totally limited, absolutely limited in what I can do. But what I can do is I can do my best to study, I can do my best to preach, teach, encourage, admonish at times. I do my best to hear, pray, prepare. And in so doing, I help facilitate God meeting us. I help make it easier and, and teach ways for us as, as people to, to do our best to connect with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and I pray that Life Assembly Church will make it so easy to meet you. I pray from our morning Bible study classes to pre-service prayer and fellowship in our Connection Lounge and in our kids' ministries and classes and in life groups during the week and during worship, during teaching, in our conversations, Heavenly Father, that your name would be glorified and that any place that we are volunteering and leading, Lord, that we are making it so easy to meet you. In your holy name we pray. The church said, amen and amen. Some of you, you know this, when, I, when it comes to life groups, I I found this years ago. Um, I, I'd taken over life groups at the church we were at before, and, and when I would ask people to lead, I would see like this, just this kind of glaze or malaise go over people because the idea of leading something, they're like, well, I'm not a leader. You know, so you need to find a leader to do that. And I'm looking at him going, are you kidding me? You are a leader, you know? And I started, and as the Lord was working on me about facilitating, I started using that word for people. And saying, hey, you know, when you lead a life group, what I'm really saying is we need you to facilitate it. We need you to, whether they're opening their house or somebody else is opening their house, and whatever was decided on for maybe a video series or some kind of a Bible study or, or whatever, all you're doing is facilitating an environment where God can show up and where people can commune with one another and, and with the Holy Spirit 
And this is what we do. We do our best, right? And, and, and we facilitate. And I believe that God has made us all facilitators in, in some capacity to make it easy for people to meet Jesus. We shouldn't be putting barriers in front of people. We should be removing barriers and allowing people to encounter God. And during that encounter, if there are barriers, God is going to be working on that with people, okay? And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I've had plenty of barriers that no man could, could remove, but God had to do it. Now, in, in week one, the, the first week of, of 2020, we talked about this word release. And if you want to go ahead and put that slide up for me, Kelsey. And the first week is, you know, I really believe that the Lord just gave our church the, this word release for, for a reason. And we looked at Jubilee, the, the year of Jubilee, and what happens is that there is a time of release that the land that God had promised the people, land was released back to the families. And, and, you know, we continue to joke, yeah, we can't declare to our banks and our mortgage and those who hold our student loans that we're in a year of jubilee, so they need to forgive us, okay? It's not going to happen. We can wish that to happen, but it's not going to happen. But week one, we talked about the release of forgiveness. God, has, just as God has forgiven us, we need to forgive others. We release that. Sin in our lives needs to be released, needs to be away, separated and then week two, last week, I told Jaina, because she's in kids' ministry, I said to her, I said, I preached my best message of the year. And she goes, what? I'm like, yeah, it's only the second week, so I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And I, I retitled it, uh, hey, you have pretty feet. And um, I thought that was the better title. And it, essentially, I, Isaiah was, was prophesying and the Lord was speaking to him and, and, and he he was comparing it to like a herald running through the mountains with, with the good news and good news of, of a message that's coming through to the to a king. And, and just as a watchman on a tower is seeing, wow, there's a runner, there's, there's a herald coming with, with good news that God is saying to his people, there is good news coming from the mountains of God. And, and just as, as at that time as Israel was in captive to, to Babylon, he was saying, you are going to find peace. There is going to be salvation. This word is coming to them that someday they are not going to be under the thumb of Babylon. They are no longer to be captives. And this message just permeated because the very, after it says this, it, it starts to talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he is bringing this good news to proclaim. And, and essentially, we have all been released to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You and I have pretty feet. We have the feet to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation and peace. You know, the intensity of this kind of love that, that God has for you, I, I think of that statement of don't come between a mom and her, her cub, right? Because you're going to see mama bear, right? We've all, we've all heard that before. I, I think that maybe the statement should be don't come between God and his people. 
Because what we see on the depths of the love that God has for his people is so much more than a mother has in protecting her own child. And then that comparison in Isaiah 49, it says, would a mother who is feeding her infant forget that she had a child? And God said, I love you more than a mother loves the child that she feeds. How intense is that love, friends? Don't come between God and his people. God essentially was speaking through the prophet Isaiah saying to his people, saying to Israel, you have not been forgotten and I am coming for you. Just as he says to us when we read through the very next chapter, Isaiah 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty attracted to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Wow. God's word is powerful. His acts are deliberate, and God released us as bearers, and may I say facilitators, of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are all heralds. We are messengers. And, and like I said last week, whether you want to or not, you are carrying a message. You are carrying a message of something. Why not let that message be peace? Why not let that message be the good news of Jesus Christ? Why not let that be salvation? And in so doing, your feet are beautiful before our God. Oh, this brings us to today. Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to detour him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It makes sense that John was reluctant to baptize Jesus. Wouldn't you be? Uh, yeah? Yeah? Now, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. People were coming and, and repenting of their sins. And why on earth would a sinless man, who is also God, need to be baptized for the remission of sins? He didn't. But Jesus said, it has to be done to fulfill all righteousness. And, and in this picture that we see here, we see the three parts, the three persons of God all at the same time. We see Jesus being baptized. We see his person. We see the, the dove 
being represented and, and coming down. And then we hear the voice of the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. We see the three persons of God at work, together, unified, co-equal, eternal, and yet God is one. Dr. Ray Pitchard has six descriptors and statements about the Trinity. He says, one God and only one exists in three persons. And he says, equal and eternal, worthy of equal praise and worship, distinct yet acting in unity constituting the one true God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today we are celebrating that Jesus did not leave us alone. He released the power of the Holy Spirit for us today, for us right now for us right here, for us tonight, for us tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Jesus, after his baptism, we got the Holy Spirit being represented in the form of a dove, and at this moment, the Holy Spirit sends him, pushes him out to the wilderness. And at this is the time, in the beginning of the temptations of Christ that it's called. Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, healed. Jesus worshiped in the Spirit. Jesus prayed. Did you know that Jesus had fun? He did. Jesus laughed. Jesus had a sense of humor. It's okay for you to have a sense of humor, friends. Jesus cried, and you know what? He even worked. He had calluses on his hands. His, his dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. Don't you think that he had to work? Absolutely. His ministry didn't start until he was 30, of course. He had responsibilities. He probably had to clean dishes. He probably had to, to clean up his room. And as the oldest son, he probably had to help take care of his stepbrothers as well. The Holy Spirit was with him through it all as God's Spirit is with us. Even in the things in life where we feel that they're mundane. Even when we, we feel like, what, how on earth could this be spiritual? Now, there are a number of Christians who are called cessationists. This group uh, believes that um, after the death of Christ and after the 12 disciples died, the gifts of the Spirit died with them. Okay, the Holy Spirit is, they believe in the Holy Spirit, they believe in the Trinity, but they believe that the working and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is not for us today. And then you say, well, what, what do they do? Well, they believe that the Word of God, that, that your, the Scripture is, is all that is needed, okay? Yes, the Holy Spirit convicts. Yes, the Holy Spirit does His work. But as far as the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they are no longer needed anymore. Now, here's what I, I found absolutely fascinating. And this is somebody who would be considered one of the top voices in, in that um, group, 
And uh, his name is J.I. Packer, and um, brilliant theologian, incredible books, an incredible theological mind. And I got this quote out of Rediscovering Holiness by J.I. Packer. And I believe I have this quote, and I'm going to read it for you. It was just so long that just, yeah, whatever. You can do what you want with that. What should one say of the worldwide charismatic movement of the past 30 years, he writes. Laying aside matters of detail, I believe God has generated it in order to counter and correct the death-dealing fashions of thought which, starting with theologians and spreading everywhere for the past century, have done damage by demurring at the truth of the Trinity, diminishing the deity of Jesus Christ, and for practical purposes, discounting the Holy Spirit altogether. To deal with these theoretical errors and spiritual deadness to which they have given rise, God has raised up this movement of uninhibited and flamboyant Holy Spirit life, whereby the truth of the Trinity is vindicated, Fellowship, union with the divine Christ through the Spirit as the focus of spiritual life is freshly explored, and the thought of Christianity as a supernatural life in the Spirit, singing, sharing, and serving, has again become respectable. Those who maintain the errors mentioned are thus comprehensively outflanked. Not to say upstaged, and then he says, how wise is the strategy of God? Now, this is an incredible statement by an Anglican leader. At, at one point, the, the top leader. To say, friends, he's saying this to his people. This is one of the, a, chat, a chastisement that I, I can't even imagine saying and how it, it must have shaken his community to say, we have missed it. We, we have turned the theology of God into a head game and so intellectual that we have removed God and his Holy Spirit from moving through us and around us altogether, and we have been outflanked, and God is correcting us. When a leader of a cessationist group says something like this, his people should listen, but so should we. God has released the power of his Holy Spirit for us to be empowered to run with the good news of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the peace of Jesus, to share his salvation. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it, and so we're going to talk about what it looked like and, and how this came about to the releasing of the Holy Spirit. So let's start with John chapter 16, verse 7. And if, if um, you ever want to follow along in the back, we actually just got some new Bibles in the back. If you need one, take one. We wanted to get some bigger, larger print for some, and it's nice, big, and, and hearty. Maybe something you'd even want to take home. So those are in the back if you need one. So John 16, 7. But very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Matthew 27, starting at verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in the loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So here we see the death of Christ on the cross. And it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom. 
The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This curtain was the separation in the temple of the Holy of Holies and the rest of people. The high priest was the only one who had access to the most holy place, into the presence and the Holy Spirit of God. And when Christ died, it says from the top to the bottom, as if God the Father just went like this and separated the curtain, which then is oh, the symbolic message to us is that the Holy Spirit is for all today. Something broke. Something broke when Jesus died. Now, I, I, want, I want you to just picture this for a second because I, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking, Lord, what, what is a, a really good um, illustration or, or way that we can think of this? And, and immediately I, I thought of a bride, you know, and, and in many cultures we have that veil that, that's down before the, the bride and between her face. And here you have the bride and you have the future husband looking across from, from her and, and you, you have the pastor or whomever officiating and, and we have people are gathered around to witness this moment and, and, and here there's this moment where there's now a covenant being made, there's promises being exchanged and there's vows and, and maybe a ring or something to, to show that this is a, a commitment for life. And as that veil is lifted up, it is, it is torn. It, it is now separated. And, and you, you think of that union. And, and friends, we, we, we're, the church is called the bride of Christ. And, and it, it was if as if when Christ died, when he was on the cross, that veil was, was the veil being lifted up for us. This was the veil of us being brought together with God. A covenant, a sealed covenant of Christ's love for you, Christ's love for me, and a commitment. It was a promise of reunion. It was a promise of restoration of what happened in the Garden of Eden when that sin separated and brought that veil down, never to be brought back down after the cross. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And those of you who were with us last year, we talked about the continuation of Luke is, is the book of Acts. Luke wrote Acts, and I, I kind of wish, scripturally speaking, it had just been right after, because you're literally coming right at the end of Luke and picking right up in Acts. And so let's jump into there for a second in Acts 1, um, verse 4. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Jesus said to him, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
At this point, Jesus was raised to heaven, and the promise of the Holy Spirit is about to take place. And in Acts 1, we see this incredible picture of unity and solidarity between the believers, and they're waiting, and they're praying, and they're, what's going to happen? What is this even going to look like? This is the promise of Joel, that in the last days, the Spirit is going to come, and, and even our sons and our daughters are going to prophesy that this veil is torn, and all of a sudden, something's going to happen. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, this is Acts 2, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And here is where I believe that we have gotten some things wrong. We, we stopped right here. We stopped. As if when God poured out his, his Spirit, they just stayed in the upper room. Well, we should just stay here and enjoy the presence of God together and have this fire on our heads. This is cool, right? I mean, we're all like, yeah, I'll take fire on my head. That's awesome. Let's just, let's just do this and let's pray for each other and let's just keep praying for each other and let's just enjoy this, right? Well, we don't see that. That's not what happened. But I think that's what we've done because we like it. We like the feeling. We like the presence of the Holy Spirit. We hunger for it, don't we? Some of you, if you've ex experienced the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, you, you, oh, you just like, Lord, yes, right? We, we desire that, and so we, we want that again. But they poured out into the streets. People began to gather and Peter then gets up with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the advocate coming alongside of him, and he preaches a message, and close to 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ, and the church, the first mega church, was born. Right there. So, what are the gifts? of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who you, maybe you haven't read a lot about it, 1 Corinthians 12 gives a huge, huge description of it, and we're just going to read portions of it, starting in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is it for? Weird. It's not just for you. No one there is given through the Spirit, or to, sorry, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Jesus, his Holy Spirit, and the Father are all together, working unified. And in this, he is the one that determines. 
We should celebrate when God uses somebody in a powerful way. And if God is using somebody more powerfully than you in it, you should be praising the Lord. We should be, okay, we're going to get to it. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited here. Sorry. Apostle Paul made it so clear, and I just needed to repeat this even though you heard me say it, by one of the same Spirit, by one of the same Spirit, all of these gifts are given to us by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And he is the one that determines your gift. You cannot wish it enough, but you are to pray and you are to seek. We're going to talk about that in a second. Now, that, that does open up the question of saying, which gift do I have? Lord, which, which gift? Which of them? So then you pray and, and maybe you sweat about it and you stress about it. What is it? What's, what's my gift? What is it? Then you read a book about it. You take a test, an online test, and it tells you what your gift is. Never mind God here. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, there is a good chance that there is a gift that God will likely use you more in. Okay? Whether it's healing, whether it's wisdom, whether it's a gift of knowledge, whether it's miraculous powers, like you said, and interpretation of tongues, whatever it may be, you may find that God uses you more in that lane. But, and this is why I say don't stress about it, because if you are open, if you are listening, if you are willing, the Lord will use you in whatever lane he needs. And are you and will you be open to being used by God? And here's another thing, is that very rarely in the times that the Lord has used me, do I actually know I'm being used in that moment. It's like I'm, I'm driving home and all of a sudden tears are going down my face. I'm like, oh my Lord, you used me. Ah, woo. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's like you don't even, or somebody later calls you or texts you and says, I don't know how you know this, but when you were praying about this, you were speaking about this, and I don't know how you knew that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't either. And I'm like, whoa, the Lord is doing something. The Lord used me. I don't know about you, but one of the most exciting things is when the Lord uses me in something. I'm like a little child in a candy store. You know, it's like, it's so exciting. It's invigorating. It's so amazing to be used by God. Don't limit the Lord's hand in your life. Even if you're like, well, Lord, I don't understand everything. Well, welcome to the club. Good grief. We're doing the best that we can to hear the voice of the Lord. We're doing the best that we can to search and to seek him. But one thing that I want you to be so crystal clear about is that your behavior is not going to necessarily determine how God is going to use you or how much he's going to use you. And, I, and I'm going to use this as a little bit of a rebuke um, only I feel like I can say this because the Lord did this in my life and it, man, it, it was hard when, when he showed this to me. But it, in my younger years and as I was trying to seek the Lord and I, I thought, well, if I, if I worship this way, then the Lord is going to hear me more. And 
If I, if I do this, then the Lord is going to hear me more. And if I do this, and if I act this way, and if I'm more flamboyant, if I do this and this, then God is going to have to hear me, and God's going to have to use me and pour out his spiritual gifts upon me. But then the Lord reminded me what the prophets of Baal did when they were on the mountain, and they were trying to, to get the, the God of Baal and to, to respond. They jumped, and they screamed, and they cut themselves. And, and Elijah made fun of them, of course. Maybe your God is going to the bathroom right now and he's just not available. And he mocked them. And it's really a hilarious read if you want to just enjoy it. But let me tell you something. The Lord showed me that when we are trying to get his attention, that we are no different than the prophets of Baal trying to cut ourselves. That if we think that somehow our behavior is going to now make him act and because we're being good Christians? Friends, the Lord loves you more than a mother loves their child. The Lord loves you with a love and a depth that we will never and can never truly understand. And he wants to speak to us and he wants to pour out his spirit upon us. So don't think for a second that you being a good Christian is going to be what's going to make God just do whatever it is that you're trying to rub the lamp for. Cry out to God. Be yourself to God. He knows you. He knows you by name. Be yourself. The Psalms declares for us to be ourselves in our brokenness and in our hurts and in our pains. Be honest with God. And he determines the gifts. And be happy. Find joy in the ways that the Lord uses you. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12 still. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Just think of that. The gifts of the Spirit, us, the body of Christ, functioning and working together at different levels of, of strengths and weaknesses and different parts of, of God's Spirit working with, within us. And it says in, in verse 28, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, and gifts of healing, of helping, and guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And then it comes to this rhetorical question. And, and he writes, are all apostles? Well, the answer is no. We know this. Are all prophets? Well, the answer is no. Are all teachers? No. Well, do all do miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly, he says all these things, and says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Don't stress about them, but pray about them. Like, honestly, there, there's been gifts that I, I've seen, and they've scared me. I've actually said, Lord, I don't really know if I want that gift. That, that's kind of, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it right now. <laughs> you know, but if we go before the Lord and pray and say, Lord, you know what, I, I, I know that, that you use people the way that you do, and I know that I might not have this gift, and maybe I really want it, but for whatever reason, the Lord is using somebody else in that way. I need to learn to have joy about that. I need to, to be okay with how the Lord determines to use me. But pray for the greater gifts, friends. I'm going to say this again. Pray for the greater gifts, friends. Pray for them and see what the Lord will do. Now, 
in the area of discernment, I think there's a few things that we need to talk about here. One surefire way to tell when a spiritual gift is happening and it's of the Lord, ask yourself the question, is God being glorified in this? Is God being glorified or is man being lifted up? Is someone drawing attention to themselves or are they pointing to God? God should always be glorified and he should always be given credit. Secondly, from a personal experience, I'm just going to say this again, that a lot of times I don't even know that the Lord is using me until afterwards. And Just understand that every time it happens, there isn't some kind of a light that shines upon you, and there's this little, oh, music happening, and then everything comes into alignment, and, oh, I'm about to be used by the Holy Spirit. Come around, gather, gather, right? Okay, it's not how it generally works. But if it does, I, I would like to see that, I suppose. Now, there, there are some, and sometimes it's just they don't know better, and they maybe get excited, and they say, thus saith the Lord, or they say, God said that. And so let, let's just pretend that we're at a, um, a board meeting, and something comes up about, okay, we've got this money, and we're going to, do we fix this? Do we fix this? Do we improve this? Do we improve this? What, what are we going to do? And then I go, thus saith the Lord, the men's bathroom is to be prepared. Amen. Now, what kind of conversation can happen after that? None. None. <laughs> right? It's like, well, I'm just going to use some authority and say, thus saith the Lord, and now all conversation has ended there. And we need to be very, very, very careful with this because, remember, we are still human, and we are doing our best to hear the word of the Lord. And so if I can just kindly instruct you in this area, if you feel maybe you're praying with somebody or maybe you're at home and, and you just, somebody keeps coming to your mind or to your heart and you keep praying for them, say something in line with, you know, I, the Lord has been bringing you to my attention and I feel like, and I could be wrong, but just, I want you to consider that, that maybe the Lord is speaking to you here and so just pray about it. And then you say what the Lord put on your heart. But, but don't, don't just come with this harsh, you know, word. even Paul. I mean, you think about it. The Apostle Paul says you need to, to weigh what we're saying. You need to compare it to the Scripture. And so for us as believers, we are called to discern. We're call, called to be able to look and be able to say, okay, Lord, um, somebody said this to me. Is this of you or not? And sometimes right away in your spirit, you know exactly that it's right. The spirit speaks and says, yes, that's exactly right. And then there's times going, I don't know. That was weird. And that is why we don't just take somebody's word for it. We pray and and we weigh it. And thirdly, in in the Old Testament time during prophecy, if the prophet got it wrong, they were stoned, right? So you know, maybe we should try the New Testament thing a little bit more. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will 
always reflect the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit is not all of a sudden going to change its colors and be abusive. The Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness. The Holy Spirit has not come to frighten us. He will convict us of our sins and draw us to him. So what does following the Holy Spirit look like today? We pray. We listen. We read. Maybe you, you listen by audio to God's word and to other, other resources. We go to work. We're husbands. We're wives. We parent. We take care of, of the things that we need to take care of. We go out with our friends. We pay our bills. We watch a movie. Maybe we tinker. Maybe we have a, have a hobby. Maybe we walk, run, ride bike, paint. We express ourselves in, in different ways here. But even in the mundane parts of life, the Lord will speak to us. The Holy Spirit will move us. We ask is the Lord going to be glorified in my conversations today? Is the Holy Spirit, am I, am I open for the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to be able to speak to others? How can I be, Lord, a facilitator of your good news? Lord, how can I be a representative? How can I be a herald of good news coming from the mountains? We see this with Elijah when he's on the mountain. And there comes this time where God says, go stand in the mountain. And when God passes by, there's earthquake, there's fire, there's this wind that rips the mountains apart. And Elijah did not find God until he came in a small whisper and spoke to him. And I think so many times in our lives, we're looking for the big thing. We're looking for the big thing to be able to meet God. And let me tell you, he is coming to us still today in a still, small voice and speaking to us in a whisper. As we wrap up, and I've asked the worship team to come and, and to lead us today in, in a song. In, in Genesis 1, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and, and it says that the earth was formless and it, it was void. And, and in this and in his hovering, he began to bring the earth into order and he began to take formlessness and, and create form and, and he began to take void and be able to create and speak um, eternity and, and beauty and, and depth. And, and the same is true for us. In Psalms 47, 2, it says the deep cries out to deep. It calls out to deep. That the depth of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is, is calling out to our souls. And I believe that his spirit is calling us out to us today. And so the question I have for you is, have you? And secondly, will you 
give access to the Holy Spirit and to his gifts in your own life. Just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the ancient waters of the voidless earth and over Jesus' baptism, so he does with us. He creates relationship where there was emptiness, beauty where there was destruction, healing where there was brokenness. He forms, he creates until we are unrecognizable to those around us. Have you invited the Holy Spirit to reign in your life? Have you asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? And one of the reasons why I, I bring this up is because in, in Acts 19, there, there is this moment where Paul was in Ephesus and he began to teach new converts. Um, and, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, these are the new believers, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And look, John's baptism, the same one, remission of sin. So they asked, they, they repented. These were good Christians, but unfortunately they were cessationists because they didn't even know. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. It is not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's that you don't know what you have. I, I want to say this again. It's not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's that you don't know what you already have. Would you please stand? I have asked our people on our prayer team to come down here today. And, you know, with this series on, on release, the releasing of, of the Holy Spirit, I just, I, man, I, we cannot be going through our lives without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. Amen? Amen. And, and I just, I want to invite you. If you're at a place in your life, you're like, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Why didn't somebody tell me about this? Let's pray for you right now. Now, can you do it in your seat? Absolutely. Okay, you can be in your seat and you can just put your hands up towards heaven. You can say, Lord, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. And we're going to do that, okay? But there is also something so powerful when you come up. And if you're at a place in your life and you're like, I just, I just want... I just want to ask for more of him. Come on up, let us pray with you. Let us lay hands on you like they did here in Acts 19. I believe that the Lord is here. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to you. I believe that the Lord wants more and pour out more upon you in 2020. Use you like you didn't even know that was possible. And I want to encourage you to pray for the greater gifts. Amen? Heavenly Father, I, I pray for your presence and spirit. We know that you're here, but Lord, we just ask for an outpouring of your spirit. We ask for an outpouring, Lord, of your presence here today. For those, Lord, that, that have never been filled with your spirit, Lord, may they ask, may they receive, Lord, and may you use them mightily.
You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.